We're in Beirut for a new episode of the Beirut Banyan, and we're joined by Zakia Demasi. Zakia is a physician and an assistant professor at St. George University. We discuss COVID-19, vaccines, and the wider battle between disinformation and science. This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners and viewers like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And to stay updated with video releases, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and thanks for watching. I'm Rani Shatar, and this is The Beirut Banyan. Saturday night is usually not the night that I record. Um, I usually sort of leave these to the week. Friday night is usually pushing it. And the reason I don't is because I don't. I feel bad taking advantage of someone's free time on the weekend. And in a way, I can't think of a better time to spend a weekend because there's really nothing else to do. No offense. But I really, I mean, what are you going to do otherwise? It's either just try to struggle with the internet or stare at the wall, or if you have your closed circle, see somebody. Otherwise, it's a, it's a lonely experience. And I think it's worth pointing out something. We've been trying, I think, the last 20 minutes to navigate technology, yeah, electricity, and all the things that come with doing this in Lebanon. And we figured it out. It's working so far. And I think uh, the subject is, is extremely important. Um, in a way, it dances around all the other terrible things that we're going through at the moment. It sort of, it, ni- it nicely fits in to the wider, wider struggle Lebanon is experiencing, but it's a, it's a very important subject. And I'm lucky to gauge your mind on a terrain that I don't know enough about. I struggle at times with friends and family, or even with strangers for that matter. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with disinformation or just in general, lack of information at times. So as somebody who's knowledgeable on vaccines, on coronavirus, on, on just that, that pandemic that has been the background story of Lebanon's current collapse, um, and I'm, I'm very lucky that I can gauge your mind on this. So for me, it's a privilege. And thank you for spending your Saturday evening dealing with me. Before anything, Zakia, and I'll emphasize Zakia, because <laughs> I'm going to emphasize that, yeah, in the middle. Um, I want to start just by asking your own experience, and I think it's it's yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, that you shared it online, you were on Twitter, and you posted a photo of you taking the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I think this is sort of, it's having a calming effect on the disinformation campaign, yes. and I think it's showing that whether you're a doctor, whether you're a physician, whether you're a pediatrician, or whether you're just anyone who believes in good science, elderly, whatever, a frontline worker, it's safe to take these vaccines. And I think it's, uh, it's helping calm a lot of these unfounded fears. So I want to start there. Uh, what was it like yesterday? What was the experience? 
And I know these are superficial questions, but we can start with the easy ones before getting sort of deeper. Uh, what was it like just as an individual, as a citizen, taking the vaccine, waiting for the second shot, shot if I'm not mistaken, and just sort of the emotional roller coaster that's coronavirus and, and yesterday's first step into getting vaccinated. So let, let's start there. So um, first off, uh, though I'm, just, I'm gonna sound a bit cliche, but thank you, Ronnie, for having me on your platform. Um, I've recently uh, become uh, a follower of your content and uh, it's really, uh, it's refreshing to see someone who puts a lot of thought uh, into what they're presenting to the public to try to engage as many people as possible and try to remain in touch with what's happening. So thank you for that. And as a disclaimer, yes, I am a physician. I am a medical doctor, but I'm not an expert in infectious diseases or vaccines. I try to keep up with what's being generated of information and data and they're humongous, mm. to say the least, uh, to remain informed and to uh, uh, try as much as possible to inform the people around me uh, so as they would remain protected and healthy and at some point accept to take the vaccine right yes um so having said that so my experience so we are uh we work in hospitals we work in healthcare uh, institutions and we are exposed i'm i'm currently serving more on the academic part of medicine but i do work in uh, in vicinity to a hospital mm -hmm. uh this is why i was given priority i just wanted to get this out of the way uh because you know there have been a lot of breaches of the the algorithm that has was put in place so first off you vaccinate uh, frontline healthcare workers then uh, uh older adults uh, to assert uh, you know uh, 75 and then uh old adults but who have chronic illnesses so uh, the algorithm was right. supposed to be respected, unfortunately, with the Lebanon, Lebanon and Denis autism and all that, it's been breached. Sorry, can I, I just interrupt you? Can I, so, can I just, uh, sorry yes. to interrupt you. Is that the uh, discrepancy between the, is it the 20,000 versus 12,000 figure? I saw something floating around online that the number that was meant to be distributed was was not accurate. That the, that mm. the, is, is, that, is that the correct I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't seen mm. that piece of okay. information, but I can mm -hmm. I can look it up and maybe at some point share it with you. Sure. Uh, now, coming to the experience. So we've received, uh, as, as pediatricians, I think sir, our names were uh, lumped up together because I uh, knew from my colleagues, we had, uh, you know, appointments uh, on the same day, which was on Thursday. So I did register using the platform and I got a, my appointment and I went there and it was a bit busy. So it becomes, you know, just seeing a, a group of people close together, it's just you, it, it's irksome for now. You know, you're thinking, oh my God, COVID, COVID. <laughs> just, just that. <laughs> That's quite <Even> telling. <laughs> you're going to get the <laughs> vaccine and yet this thing is and with it, you all the time. Yeah. Obviously, and the immune system for it to really kick in and to protect you, it takes a couple of weeks, if not mm. more. Mm. So um, having, to ha having had to wait, uh, even though it was in, in the open space, it was a bit uncomfortable for me. I'm, I'm speaking as just a, a citizen. Uh, put, putting the whole, uh, you know, scientist uh, doctor uh, in the back of my mind. Um, but then I went in, I was so comfortable because I have, I, I think I've done uh, my, my homework, having uh, researched and read, and I have faith in the, uh, the, uh, the data that, uh, that's, uh, that, that are out there and the conversations that I had with experts, I'm speaking, you know, uh, PhDs in microbiology, mm. virologists, uh, people who work in vaccination development. So when you have these kinds of conversations at high level and you are really comfortable with 
what you've been told, you go and you just want to, you just want to receive, uh, to be the recipient of this amazing product, really. Uh, and be one of the, you know, we are we're leading the way to a breakthrough. I mean, mRNA has never been used in a vaccine and vac vaccinating the whole globe before. So this is amazing. So I went in, um, I just took my shot. It was basically painless. And I took the picture first off before, even prior to posting it online, I put, I sent it to my parents because mm, yeah. uh, specifically my father has been giving me such a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> with the vaccine and also my uncle in the u.s i'm like you know, i took it so i took it so like, you know uh, uh, you need to uh, after having all these conversations with both of you you've seen me take it so i'm i'm really oh sorry so it's a hard time meaning that they're they're also sort of concerned about it they're and, reluctant and they're, they're, reluctant yeah. right right uh -huh. yeah yeah mm. So I just wanted them to see that I took it. And they, I mean, my dad specifically is asking me every day, are you okay? Any fever? Do you feel anything? And mm. frankly, uh, I, I'm one of the people who had very uh, few symptoms and mainly it was just pain in, over the area of, of the injection. Um, and, and it's almost resolved now. Um, I don't know if this translates into, uh, or, you know, it's an, estimation of how much your immune system responding because some people say when you have fever and you're tired it means that you know your immune system is is up and running i'm not sure but uh this is my experience and i look forward to the second uh, jab yeah i'm i just want it in and, 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 and be done with it but i think it's i mean so it was nice to share the photo itself which mm -hmm. I think was the first post. And I, I hope I remember this correctly. You then also explained the symptoms that you were feeling online as well. So it's almost like you're, you're reassuring an audience that this normal feel, these normal side effects to any vaccine or any shot, expect those, but get over the conspiracy. This is all fine. And I, you mentioned something I, I don't know enough about. You said M M mRNA. It's the first mm -hmm. mRNA vaccine. Uh -huh. So can you just simplify this to me as somebody who's rather limited with this stuff? Why okay. is this, why is it, why is there an mRNA vaccine to begin with? And what is the benefit mm -hmm. of, of that type of vaccine in, in a very simple way so that somebody who's limited like me could understand? <laughs> no, not limited, but not knowledgeable in basic sciences. And trust me, I had no idea about the mRNA vaccines up until this happened. Mm. Uh, so traditionally, uh, vaccines, what they used to do is, so there are, you get vaccinations against either viruses or bacteria, right? Mm. And you have mm -hmm. viruses and bacteria, which are two types of microbes. They're different. Uh, they exist differently. Um, uh, some are, are more complex than others. They're just, you know, microorganisms that exist around us. Uh, they are harbored either uh, in nature, in animals, and some are harbored in human beings. And sometimes, you know, you catch them, you, you have a disease. So uh, coronavirus is a, is, a, uh, is a virus. It's not a bacterium, just to get this out of the way. Uh, traditionally, viruses, what they used to do is to actually get a, a virus different than the one that, you, uh, that they're trying to create the vaccine against, right? And right. They, empty it. they empty it because the virus is basically a shell. And it has the uh, nucleic acid material. The nucleic mm -hmm. acid is what, is what defines it. It's it's your identity genetically, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they empty that content and they put the genetic material of the virus they're trying to create the vaccine against into that vehicle, right? Mm -hmm. And 
but but of course it's modified. It's uh, they select what a part of that virus they want to put put inside this vehicle, and once it's injected into your body, this vehicle, this shell, along with this material that is uh, designed in the lab and tested, goes inside your cell. And this material, it could be either what we call the DNA or the RNA, which are the different types of uh, genetic materials, right? Mm -hmm. These can go into the cell and the cell is made up of, you know, there's a big circle, it's called the cytoplasm and there's a small uh, sphere, it's called the nucleus, right? The nucleus has all the genetic materials and the coding and everything. It goes inside, it gets transformed and transformation includes two stages. We call them translation and transcription, all right? Into a protein. This protein resembles the protein of the virus that attacks you usually and causes you to produce an immune response. So right. now you are training yourself to, to recognize this protein as something bad, mm -hmm. right? And then once this virus tries to attack you again, you already have a memory. You're, you know, you're ready, you're trained. Right. So, yeah. so this is it. Now, this is the traditional way of doing it. And there are a couple of vaccines that have used this technology, which are the Sputnik, the, uh, the Russian vaccine, uh, uh, and uh, another one, which is the AstraZeneca, Oxford, the British one. Mm, okay. Mm. Uh, there's the uh, a Chinese one, which has been widely used, specifically we've heard in the uh, United Arab, Arab Emirates. Yes, yeah. it, it 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 uses the entire uh, con uh, uh, nuclear uh, genetic material of the coronavirus, so everything. And this is why people sometimes are a bit afraid because it might uh, induce a violent immune response. Now, what is mRNA? Okay, so we spoke about DNA and RNA, and then they. We, we spoke about a uh, stage of translation and transcription, right? Uh, or transcription and translation. In between, before you produce that protein, that's called something, the mRNA, it's messenger mRNA, right? Mm, it's a messenger. Mm, so mm -hmm. it is the, it's the in-between stage from the DNA and RNA into the protein. Okay. And, th it's and that's, that's halfway. And that's not been done before for a vaccine. No, it's been it's been studied for influenza, Ebola, and Zika, but uh -huh. not not yet. Yeah. So and That's they were trying, and they were hoping also maybe for some certain kinds of cancers to produce right. this kind of vaccination because now the thinking in cancer treatment is to uh, uh, enhance our own immune immune response to cancer cells, right? Right. Uh, may I, may so, I ask though, why yeah. was there an emphasis on mRNA? with mm. this virus? Is it because, is there something to do with just that it's happening at the same time in terms of technology? Is it just, mm -hmm. I see, okay. Yeah, so the technology apparently, they've been studying it and experimenting on it for the past 15 years or so. Mm. And it became easily producible. Apparently uh, mRNA, if you want to design it in the, in the lab, so you have your virus, you know, the virus that's causing the pandemic, you can take the material from it. So coronavirus is called what we call an RNA virus. So it has a single strand, uh, uh, the DNA is a double strand. Right, I okay? remember. <laughs> so they're like, they're like, yeah, intertwined together. I, I will say this, I mean, this reminds me of my biology courses in university, yeah. these sort of standard classes you take, right? The double ribbon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, the double ribbon. So coronavirus is a single strand. Mm. So they took the strand, right? And they, they identified the code, they studied it, it was so quick. I mean, once the Wuhan outbreak began, 
uh, this is what they did in China. They had the code, they had the genetic code easily because you know technology now is super fast. You don't have to wait so much. Hmm. And then they transformed it, they copied it and they produced the, uh, so uh, the, the, the companies that wanted to produce the mRNA vaccine took that genetic code and they produced in their own labs this mRNA. I see. Now, what I see. are the adv- advantages? So once this mRNA is, uh, and they, how do they uh, first, how uh, they uh, design it? They don't put it in the shell of a virus, no. They put it in um, what they called uh, nanoparticles, which are, you know, small particles of fat, you know, oh. just regular, yeah, you know, the molecules of fat that exist mm. in our own body. Mm-hmm. So they're like something very natural and they englobe it in that uh, 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 nanoparticle of fat. So you have that uh, sphere also made up of fat and that protects this content inside from the harsh environment inside your body. So once it's injected, it's not broken down by enzymes and all that jazz. Oh, I see. It will have to travel. It will have to travel, right? Hmm. From the muscle where it enters, it will have to travel through uh, through your blood, okay? So what happens is this particle will go into one of your cells and we have the immune responses composed of two types of two types. We have the uh, cells that pr- produce the antibodies and these are the what we are measuring to, sh- to say, hey, hey, I have immunity against uh, coronavirus. But there are other, other types of cells which we call the T cells. Yes. These T cells e- either attack directly the virus right. or right. they will help the other cells to recognize the virus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this particle co- comes in it will enter into the cell, this nanoparticle, and injects this mRNA. Now, this mRNA, uh, since it's a messenger, so it's midway, so your own enzymes will translate this mRNA into that protein, that spike protein that we're speaking of. You know, remember the coronavirus has these spikes uh, outside? Yes. Right? Yeah. Mm. So your own body mechanisms will translate this mRNA of the virus into that protein, so now it recognizes it as a, as a foreign body. Now, what is the advantage? It's cheaper to produce in the lab. Hmm? I see. Second I see. of all, it's, uh, it's uh, produced by your own mechanism. So instead of in- having the actual protein from the virus enter your own body, it's your body that is translating the yes. RNA. So it's more natural. So mm. it will induce a less violent immune response. So you're not gonna get so sick. And data so far from uh, people are reporting that uh, the side effects from the Pfizer-BioNTech are fewer and less severe than those from the AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca is the actual, you know, protein from the virus. Right, right. Zakia, can I I just, so just to have them listed, the ones that are using mRNA are Pfizer Mm -hmm. and the second one is the Moderna vaccine? Yes, yes. Okay, and the other ones are just, they didn't go that route. They went. No, they they chose. So you have mRNA. So again, Pfizer BioNTech. Mm-hmm. BioNTech is German. It's a startup company, and Pfizer is the well-known, well-established pharmaceutical company in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Moderna is also a startup company, and, uh, and it's using the mRNA. And we have uh, the other ones. We have the Sputnik, which is uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, Russian one. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on adenovirus, uh, also we have the Oxford AstraZeneca adenovirus, right. and I'm just listing the ones that are really uh, common for people sure. to uh, yeah. recognize. 
And there's the Sinopharm, which is the Chinese. It's using the entire virus, but the inactivated form of the virus. May I, may I now, ask? Yeah. What, 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 yeah. If, it's, if the technology is available and if it's, if it's easier to do an mRNA vaccine, I'm just curious, why are, why are they still resorting to the older vaccination method? Probably the, uh, the technology is not available in all countries. And I see. So it's really just well developed I see. in all countries. Right, so, yeah, right, I right, right. The fact, yeah, uh, that, that's, uh, that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's it. And there's one more. Um, this is uh, the, there are two uh, uh, additional, actually three. So there's the Johnson & Johnson, which is also yes. anticipated to, to come in soon. Uh, it has been uh, deployed in South Africa two days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, uh, there are two uh, protein-based uh, um, uh, vaccines, which use only the protein from the virus, which are the, uh, from the Vector Institute and the uh, Novavax. And I'm only looking at my screen because I'm uh, looking at the New York Times vaccine tracker, which I've mentioned to you earlier. Yeah, uh, I'm actually, I'm happy you're referring to that. I'll, I'll also link it to the episode so people listening and watching, they can see it in the mm-hmm. details box. I think it's actually a helpful resource to have. I, I, I wanna ask though, in terms of just, well, b- before getting to the basic differences, noting jo- Johnson and Johnson, did I get this right? I saw this maybe a month ago, maybe more, that Johnson and Johnson is trying to do a one-shot vaccine that they're trying to. And yeah. is there any other vaccine so far that is only a one-shot vaccine? Mm-hmm. Okay, that, no, this is uh, uh, this is fresh news uh, actually. Mm. So uh, Pfizer, uh, they want, of course, they're still uh, you know want to make sure that. Uh, the vaccine is doing what it's supposed to do, so producing an immune response. So uh, uh, with people who are receiving the vaccine, uh, and you know, from the first until the second dose is 21 to 28 days, mm-hmm. something around that. So they're trying to measure the antibodies, and they've noticed that the immune—I mean, the immune response takes more than that to to you know to produce the enough antibodies to become detectable by by uh, serology. So they're they're considering actually. Um, uh, uh, give, letting more space uh, between the first and the second dose right, because right. they've noticed that after two weeks they're not getting enough antibodies but after four weeks it's giving like 90 something percent protection hmm. and maybe just maybe you may not need a second dose there's That's that possibility that, yeah but this is not still confirmed we don't hmm. know yet mm-hmm. so but they might consider so uh, you know given it maybe I don't know uh, eight weeks in between and see if there's still persistent high level of antibodies and like hmm, we may not need a second dose after and all. there's no disadvantage to doing that i mean delaying it is not necessarily uh, a i mean for now what matters really is to vaccinate uh, as many people as possible at the same time not just you know a conglomerate mm-hmm. and then forget about the others because yeah. you know it's 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 open it's out there and maintaining the uh, non-pharmaceutical interventions, aka uh, masking, distancing, hand washing, and right. avoiding all the crowded uh, crowdedness and such, uh, because we still don't know. I mean, data are emerging, and I really need to stress for people. I understand frustration. I understand uh, that that really uh, um, heavy feeling or annoying feeling of uncertainty, and. Uh, even as a scientist, I mean, I was not trained to be comfortable with uncertainty, but nothing uh, really trained me to be comfortable with uncertainty, like the pandemic and the development of the vaccines. Yeah. It took a lot of time. There were trial and error, but this is science. You try, you're either right or wrong, right? As long as you're employing the right uh, method to try. Uh, so 
I understand how, how much people are frustrated and afraid also because of these uncertainties still lingering. Uh, but at least what you know is you will get a certain percentage of immunity and this should give you a bit of, you know, yes, right. a bit of relief. I mean, I'm even, even if I'm partially protected, even if most of us are going to end up being partially protected, that's much better than not being not protected. And, you know, people circulating around, some people have developed natural immunity because they've contracted the actual infection. Others yeah. have never been tested positive. And then the virus starts mutating because it intends to infect more people. Like, you know? I, I mean, I, that's well said. And I think, I, I mean, I know I've said it several times, but I think it's, it's at a time of social media's dominance in our lives because of COVID, it's actually quite, I, I mean, it plays into itself that we're going through this together. We're interconnected in ways that are extremely unusual. We're always online. And that you're seeing the relief online as well. So it's both. There's like a, the misinformation and the reassurance is sort of at war. And I think the reassurance is winning at the moment. But can I, can I ask you the basic differences in these vaccines? I know that different countries have different, there are different vaccines, there's different technology, mm -hmm. but just in terms of the, the human body's experience with these vaccines, are there different ways of accepting this vaccine? So in other words, you're describing very, very minor discomfort with a shot. Mm -hmm. And then there's that, the, the Chinese one, I forgot the name already, the Chinese vaccine. Sinopharm. Sinopharm. That there, there could be a violent reaction to, the, to that vaccine. Mm -hmm. Can I just, just the basic difference of why this is happening is, does it go back to really to mRNA technology, that that's the fundamental difference? Otherwise we'd all be having this violent reaction or is it, mm -hmm. is it sort of more complicated than that? Because I'm curious why, why different vaccines would have this uh, effect. So my understanding of it is, and I hope I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be relaying any inaccurate information, is the Sinopharm uses the, the whole virus, but it inactivates it in the lab prior to injecting it into your body, right? Oh. So you have all these additional uh, uh, proteins and materials that, Usually this is not the first thing that your body recognizes. So it will cause additional inflammation and uh, you know, all that. As opposed to the uh, Pfizer, it's using that specific part of the genetic code of the virus as mm. in the form of an mRNA and having your body produce the protein, right? I see, so, so that's the difference it's, it's between yourself thing. and the shot sort of injecting it for, I see, yes. I see. So it's much more selective, much more focused in a sense. Mm. Maybe there's something that I don't know of that I have not explained well, but this is from my readings, this is what I understand. If there's anything else, I I, uh, I will maybe post about it later on just to clarify any mis misconception that I might have inadvertently conveyed. I don't want to do that. No, so, no, yeah. of course. And, and just to limit it to Lebanon, the one, I mean, Pfizer is available, but is Moderna available as well right now, or is it just no. Pfizer? No. So uh, we uh, we signed an agreement with Pfizer. We're going to receive part of the Pfizer through the Covax, Covax, which is an act that is uh, uh, that has been uh, uh, established by WHO to ensure equitable uh, distribution of the of the uh, vaccines. But another part is uh, paid directly uh, as, as covered by the by a loan from the World Bank, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
So I learned that part of the Pfizer uh, is paid through a loan from the World Bank. Yay, okay. additional loans. So in other uh, words, Lebanon had to sign that that type of agreement with that you can't have different vaccines showing up in Lebanon. That's just not. No, no, no. Yeah. We're going to have more vaccines. I mean, uh, just today, they signed an agreement with AstraZeneca Oxford. I see. They're going to be receiving. So it's rolling yeah. out step by step. Yeah. I see. Okay. And for the armed forces, I learned it's going to be either Sinopharm or Sputnik. Right. So uh, is that, why they is, made that choice, I don't know. But is, is this standard procedure to have different types of vaccines showing up in one country? Is, is that sort of, is that an unusual uh, thing it, or is that typical? No, it's not unusual, hmm. especially in a country at that level of poor control and mismanagement, let's hmm. say. So you want as many people vaccinated as possible. Now, uh, so far, nobody has attempted to mix vaccines, not that I know of. And uh, I think it's not advisable to take your first shot, let's say, as oh, oh, right, of course, yeah, yeah, because uh, people are asking this because you know if you are you are short of supply and you are due for the second dose and you have only Mm. a different kind of vaccine, what do you do? Do you take it? Right. Uh, I don't know, and that remains one of the questions that still um, are out there to be answered. Well, I think that's. I mean, it's it's almost this is in real time because now we're sort of it's. I mean, it's just started in Lebanon. And these photos are just now circulating. I saw friends of mine posting photos of their of their grandparents taking the vaccine. Yeah. Someone, yeah. In, I mean, in, a friend, her his grandmother in her nineties, sort of getting the shot. So I think, I mean, the comfort has started. And you know what? It's well needed because things could not be worse. So th- this yeah. is that sort of glimmer, if you will, and sort of this tunnel that so. some, yes. some yeah, there is some positive news emerging. At the same time, and I want to, I mean, this, you say as much as you'd like, I, I have seen reports of corruption. I think you hinted at some of this earlier, that there's a discrepancy in the, in the algorithm, yeah. but that, do you think the state can do this properly? Meaning, meaning there's a website, we're able yeah. to register, it seems to be working, there are people getting vaccines, and the, f- the first step seems to be reassuring. And at the same time, we're in Lebanon. We know why we're in this mess. I mean, the COVID rates are still very high and they shouldn't have reached this level to begin with. And we know the reasons why. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this lockdown is sort of lo- diet lockdown now. I don't know what it is anymore. <laughs> I mean, people basically driving yeah. around all day. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the lockdown is right now, if it, if it even matters to begin with. But just your impression, is the state able to handle something like this? Or is it really coming down to private, private universities, private hospitals that are in a way doing it without the state necessarily interfering and trying to, and I ask it more in terms of corruption and mismanagement, Mm. the stuff that we're used to. Well, um, I would like to uh, maybe change one verb it's not the state able, does the state want to do that? Is that I mean, let's just put it that way. I mean, if they wanted it, they, they, they can do it. Uh, they mm. put a mechanism in place and the centers for vaccination are well-known, uh, well-established medical centers. They're not, uh, you know, just, uh, they, they didn't just uh, identify some empty spaces and set up tents to, to have people get vaccinated. They have resorted to three well-known medical centers in Beirut, right? Mm-hmm. And even the north and the south. So yeah. uh, they, they, you know, the centers are reliable in terms of how they're operating. Now, 
how do you prevent, uh, you know, and this has been on the media, so I'm not adding anything new. So there was uh, this person who's the uh, head of a hospital somewhere who, who, who does not fit into the age category, nor, nor do his two young daughters who got vaccinated. How right. can you justify that except with nepotism and corruption, right? So if he works in a hospital, okay, but, but please go ahead, get vaccinated by your, but how would you justify that his daughters received mm-hmm. the vaccine? Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with, it's just a phone call away, right? What do you, this oh, is how it's happening. Oh, you mean getting yeah. the vaccine the wrong way is a phone call away? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, right. I, yeah, I, yeah. I haven't seen it myself. I haven't heard it myself. But we know that these things, how they, this is how they operate usually. And I think it's, uh, uh, it's one of the old tricks and we know them too well. Uh, and we don't need additional uh, uh, evidence to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to serve as a proof that this has occurred. Uh, but I think, uh, again, if the government wants to limit this or stop this from occurring, they can do that. You know, I, I saw, and I don't remember who it was in the World Bank, but it was a private account from some World Bank official sort of telling the Lebanese population, don't worry, we're not going to let corruption dictate who gets the vaccine, who doesn't. But it seemed like it escalated to a point that there was real, real fear that the vaccines mm-hmm. would not be distributed correctly. Is there any sign, and I know this from... Well, you mentioned about, I've heard stories as well, and certain hospitals mm. are ready to get the vaccine, they haven't been given the vaccine yet, or for that matter, it's just, it just seems to be for petty reasons that the vaccines are not necessarily available where they need to be. And is mm. this, uh, I don't know, is this something that you just have to deal with because it's Lebanon and there's nothing you can do about it? Or is there, and I ask it as somebody who's in a way trying to reassure the public that you'll get the vaccine, just wait for it and do it the right mm-hmm. way. Is this something beyond our control that it kind of fits into everything else in Lebanon? I think at some point, I mean, um, I, I, in Lebanon, I'm not comfortable playing the waiting game with the government mm. because usually it's a, it's a way of uh, uh, numbing people into, into inaction, right? Right, right. And then uh, in retrospect, they, they regret uh, they realize that they maybe should have intervened and be and should have been more vocal about opposing what's been happening, uh, because mm. usually in retrospect they they hit the wall, right? So when you hit the wall, you're like, oh, I should have I should have been more persistent and more perseverant about opposing this or that. So I wouldn't be playing the waiting game. And the fact is, the fact that the private sector is going to be taking part in getting the vaccine kind of give me gives me some hope into that. Yeah, me. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would yeah. share that sentiment as somebody who's just. It does give me some reassurance. I mean, just if if you can describe the public sector in Lebanon in in, in a one sentence, how would you describe it? <laughs> would know. you include uh, Would you include trustworthy, reliable, uh, <laughs> capable? <laughs> I'm, not even close. So, so yes, we want, we want the private sector on board. For once I am, I'm pro that. Like I want to push for that. Yeah, and otherwise they're not, they won't be able to handle all the numbers at the same time. And again, the simultaneous vaccination process again for everyone. Mm. Uh, so once you get the, uh, uh, the most vulnerable being, be, be, be it uh, frontliners or uh, uh, older adults and, and uh, people with uh, chronic illnesses that uh, affect their immune system directly, uh, you really want to vaccinate as many people as possible. I mean, we're still seeing 
like like today I I I I uh, I uh, went out on a uh, on a limb and I just wanted to go get something out from a market and they didn't ask for the QRS code and because yeah, market, sure. items were on sale it was crowded and I just picked up what I wanted and I was I want to be out as soon as possible I was scared I was literally scared and people were just there and shopping so comfortably and one kid had no face mask on his face so you know. You know, so <laughs> I hope these were people who were previously <laughs> affected with COVID, so like <laughs> they're immune and fine. You know, I have no, I don't sympathize with people that are not wearing a mask, especially indoor, and I have no sympathy for that. And I know that it's very difficult to sort of admonish a child in a supermarket to put a mask on when their parents are there. They should be doing that, and you, it's not your place to sort of police a supermarket during oh, I've COVID. I've done that. I've done that before. I, I, I couldn't. There was this lady and her, her daughter and the lady had the face mask beneath, beneath her nose and the mm. daughter was maskless. I'm like, ma'am, would you mind having your daughter put the mask on? It's already crowded. I don't want to get sick. Otherwise, I will be contacting them OPH right away. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Zakia, Zakia, that sounds like you're in Oklahoma somewhere. Can you translate it how you did it? How... <laughs> can you The reason I say that is because I, w- I would have loved to see her looking like, what is this person saying? Like, I don't understand, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm teasing you. But she no. did have that look, anyway. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, but, but, okay. But that said, and it's a difficult situation to be in when, when you're trying mm-hmm. to save somebody from spreading the, but potentially spreading it, and you're, you don't want to be in that, in that radius either. At the same time, it just shows how we're not equipped for this. We are not able to do this. Humans are just not able to. And you know what? All of us, I think, to a point have slipped. There are some times I left my apartment. I forget. I completely forget that I don't have my mask on. And I rush back in. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a risky situation. I mean, you're catching yourself and you go back. But I think we're just, we're we're not designed for this kind of distance and constantly covering our, our ourselves and i think i think it's high time that science wins the argument and lets us move on from this pandemic because we don't need to be doing this much longer if everyone just does it the right way and i think that that just yeah. re-emphasizes the point that the vaccine is not harmful but i, I want to ask you and this is sort of jumping around a bit but why do you think the misinformation campaign really took off not just in Lebanon, not, it's not just a mm. Lebanese phenomenon, but in my life experience, I feel it more here than I did when I was away. The conversations are more conspiratorial here. Um, maybe the fear is all over. This whole pandemic scared all of us, but this sort of data chips or getting ill or having a heart attack the moment you get injected or that there's something fishy about it to begin with why did it hit lebanon harder than other places and and do you have any sort of personal insight into that why why even your relatives my relatives are doing the same thing why they're still i mean you're you're a physician you're taking the vaccine you're showing it and the first thing you're doing is sharing it with your relatives who are suspicious to a point i have the same arguments all the time 
I'm registering myself. It's a reassuring people. No, 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 no. You need to do this. But I don't know where, where it comes from. And if you have any insight, why it's hard to do this here. Well, the whole uh, conspiracy theory regarding the vaccination, some of it did stem from, uh, you know, uh, anti-vaxxers pushing their messages and anti-vaxxers have existed for a long time. They're mm. not, it's not something, it's not a new phenomenon. And a lot of them have tried to even publish falsified data to prove that vaccines do cause, uh, you know, diseases, uh, crippling diseases, including autism specifically, that has been so-called, right. been falsely associated with the measles vaccines, right? Uh, and they, they've been given a free and universally open platform, which are social media, and they've used them quite well. They, you know, they have people who are, you know, social media yeah. have, it was never into play in the midst of a pandemic before as it is today. And um, the speed at which uh, misinformation or disinformation, and there's a nuance here, uh, is propagated is phenomenal. It's Sorry, you said misinformation versus disinformation? Oh, yeah. So misinformation is wrong information propagated, but disinformation is uh, when you do propagate disinformation, but with the purpose of misleading others. Right. Um, I had to look that up because we were writing a paper and we had uh, we, we we alluded to that uh, somewhere. So that that's uh, number one. Number two, you know the, the the politics that were happening at the same time with the whole uh, the elections in the U.S. and and yes, um, right. The, the the there was a lot of controversy between uh, Donald Trump and the WHO and how they how the U.S. wanted out of the WHO and all that. So this really uh, ignited the whole controversy mm. around. Uh, the vaccine and whether it was, uh, uh, you know, trustworthy or not. Now, um, it, it's, I mean, I understand when people are scared because the speed at which the vaccine was produced and became, uh, you know, approved by FDA was, uh, was quite impressive. And this is not, over, I mean, uh, throughout history, this is not, it, it takes a lot more time over mm. seven years. However, uh, there are three factors here that we need to stress. First off, it, it, it was for emergency approval because we are in a pandemic. So these are exceptional circumstances and there are terms in the FDA for such circumstances. So it yes. received uh, yes. emergency approval. Number two, the technology is much, much, much faster than it used to be. Number three, usually when you have an outbreak of a virus, you would want, you know, you, you have a limited number of, of of patients who would enroll in the trials and the clinical trials, but now we have a pandemic. You have thousands of people who are sick, right? Yeah. yeah. So you have your candidates there who can participate in the studies. So that that duration is, you think, added fuel to the fire that people thought there's something misleading about it coming out quicker. Yeah, yeah exactly. And this is this is what I'm hearing in, in conversations. So when I speak to my father and even my my uncle who lives in the U.S., they're like. This has not been tested long enough. How would I know yeah. that it's not going to cause side effects? How would I know that it will not harm me? How would I know that's going to do what's supposed to do? Because you know what's really interesting? These are mm. let's 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 say those are legitimate questions that can be answered. Mm. There's and there's mm. answers to those questions. I I like the way you're framing it that social media will allow those questions to be abused in a way that's mm. malicious. So that somebody who's really curious, why can you produce this? Let's say in a third of the required time for other vaccines with, when there's no emergency, 
uh, you put that on social media and then you get people that are, like you said, they're, dis- they're, they're doing a disservice, that they're spreading disinformation. Suddenly there's paranoia that, oh my God, this is happening and we're being abused. But that, that's, that I, I like that you're focusing on social media here because I, I think that's where it, it exists. I, I don't mm-hmm. see it in, I mean, maybe you see it at times on mainstream media, maybe, but there's enough voices that are sort of shunning those on mainstream media, or at least there's enough, mm-hmm. there's enough rebuttal happening there. Social media, it's hard to find it sometimes. It can take off on its own. And then, it, and oh then you're God, left, eh. yeah, and you're left alone in that kind of battle trying to persuade people to take it easy. And I think it, um, it definitely shifted the narrative early on into something that's, that's not real. It's, it's almost um, where fiction is winning over fact. And that's not the way science works. And that's not the way, I mean, you're, you're supposed to, yeah. I, excuse me. <laughs> this never happened. Never happened. <laughs> what do you, there you go. Perfect for this episode. I've never coughed. Almost 250 episodes. I've never coughed. And it's perfect for I this seized, subject. When I was waiting to receive my vaccine, I see and like, I'm like, and I look at everybody. <laughs> Like, oh. Yeah, no, really, like, it's <laughs> couldn't fit. This is it's timely. <laughs> Zakia, I am. In terms of numbers today, I think we're hitting two thousand mm. or roughly two thousand new cases a day, or it's maybe gone a little further right, down. Yeah. yeah. The, these are still high figures, but nothing compared to four thousand or over four thousand when it was really getting high. I mean going up and seemed out of control at some point. Uh, are these numbers reassuring to you that hovering around 2000 is manageable or, or are we still sort of at the risk of if the lockdown is not really implemented the way it should be, the numbers will go up again. E- even when the vaccine's available, it takes time. It takes time to roll it out. That, do you see this as sort of getting better over time or are we still in a uncertain stage, at, at least with yeah, the numbers? Yeah, we're not we're not out of the woods for mm. multiple reasons. Number one, we all know that uh, not enough tests are are uh, are done, so not enough people are tested. And maybe I don't know with the lockdown, people have have uh, are less willing to go get tested. But this is not enough. Mm. Number two, the mortality is still relatively high. I mean, we're still seeing in the forties per day, so right. forty people who are uh, who have passed away within a day. So. And this is your more reliable measure than the positive tests. Mm. Okay. Uh, number three, what I'm afraid of, and you said it, uh, and the, you illustrated it very beautifully that we are not designed to uh, to abide by these very restrictive rules of maintaining a distance of two meters, wearing a mask, washing your hands, all that jazz. And since we are not designed for that, so the minute you withdraw the interventions, people are going to go back to their previous uh, norms of life and things are going to be worse, especially now that we know that uh, there are circulating mutations of the virus, right? There's the UK variant, the South Mm -hmm. African variant. And yesterday we learned about a variant in Finland. I don't know how, how, if it's going to reach us at any point, but with Lebanon, you should be open on all possibilities and be ready for them. So uh, I wouldn't bet on these numbers because um, I, I don't. I don't want to have a premature uh, uh, withdrawal from the lockdown that is not well organized. Again, 
نحن our yes. problem yeah. is not is not I mean you put it on paper is one thing but when it comes to execution it is it is just subpar uh, subpar is, is, is also an oxymoron at this day here so or euphemism sorry so I mean what are you doing you, you there are some people who pretend that their shops are closed but they're not closed and people yeah, are going yeah, in yeah. and out oh, and, I mean, it's, and yeah, all yeah. these fake excuses to on this platform to to go out the it's not controlled let's just fix it it's not controlled and such uh, such very stringent um, measures in order to make sure that everybody is abiding by them countrywide you need to be on the ground making sure that people are staying home i'm it's going simple. to i mean it's it's a tangent but I, it's just what I experienced. I spent almost the entire year, 2020, from mm-hmm. January until December. For the most part, I was in New York. Mm-hmm. New York got hit hard, very yes. hard. And I was there when the when I mean when it sort of became daily news and hour hourly news, and when the city shut down. Mm-hmm. It's during the winter. It's cold. Uh, the city sort of Manhattan was emptied to a large degree. You couldn't go inside. You couldn't eat inside. Retail shut down. I mean, like full lockdown. But there was never any restriction on walking in Central Park or walking along the river on both sides of Manhattan. Uh, transit was was disrupted, but you could still use transit. Uh, I don't think there was ever any restriction on driving. Mm-hmm. There was some curfew when it came to the protests that erupted in New York in, in sort of the spring yeah. and summer, but that's unrelated. And and you know what? New Yorkers were able to breathe outside every day. They could walk outside. It, it strikes me as bizarre that mm. you can't walk on the corniche during the day when sunlight, I think, for the most part, kills this thing. Or it's, mm. it's extremely difficult to spread it. I, I hope I got this right. Or for that matter, if you're driving, if you're commuting, mm. it sort of doesn't make sense that you cannot spread it if there's no one with you or if you're with your closed circle. So I, I, I try to understand the rationale behind these extreme measures mm. here. And then I see them being abused anyway. No, but, yeah, but, but, but no, I, but yeah. they're irrational. This... I, I agree with you. Yeah. But what, what, what we've seen before is when they let people walk at the Corniche. You've seen it. It, it, was, it was a festival. I, mean, I see. So it's just the numbers were, it was too crowded even outside. Yes, exactly. Even, even for outside. And mm. uh, mind you, remember, they've, they've uh, warned people who do, you know, who jog, who, who use bicycles that, you know, you're breathing fast. So you're projecting more particles through your yes. breath. Yeah. So if somebody's passing by you, the likelihood of them being affected by uh, any any uh, particles coming out from you is higher because you know you're breathing fast. Sure, so, of course. And people do that. They they do uh, they do all these uh, sports activities on the cornice. And at some point, I I was not so much against not allowing people there because mm. it became too crowded. But That's I'm, the only reason. I'm asking you in an, in an amateur way. Mm. Would mm-hmm. it be would it be a sounder policy to just enforce masks on the cornice so that you could have some breathing space when it comes to this lockdown and and i'll add i'll add to this and again this is from my own experience i'm speaking from my own personal life new york the restaurants that barely survived could serve outdoor food outdoor seating Mm. at a distance so there was there was a way to do it that was not and you had that plexiglass sort of protecting 
tables that are too close to each other. And they started doing this inside as well. So the economic uh, burden that is taken on Lebanon and Lebanon is already in a horrible state. It doesn't seem rational to me to restrict these things this way. And I don't know if you would agree or disagree with that. And I know that you're coming in from a, from a more, far more astute and professional and sort of science-driven uh, uh, perspective, which I think matters more. But just from my own life experience, I mean, you see the suffering in Lebanon and you see restaurants abroad that could shut down, but there was a way to keep them open and keep people safe without it, without it reaching this kind of critical stage here where it's reckless. It almost seems like just chaos is the norm rather than anything that works. Mahou, the problem is uh, these these measures. I, I, I'm sure they're not uh, uh, random. I'm sure they are based in science and public mm. health measures. Mm. I'm not a public health specialist, but I do understand that when you allow uh, restaurants to serve outside and uh, you know with a limited capacity of of uh, of, uh, uh, of clients to serve, then this is excellent. And even if you move inside, it depends on your ventilation, on sure. how yeah. wide or, or small your restaurant is then you know, there are uh, specific indications for each space. Yes. But what we've seen in Lebanon is, I've never, I haven't seen in any restaurant putting a, a plexiglass as a separation right. and people abuse it. So you, you take full capacity. Why would you do that? Yeah. I've seen it happen. I, I, specifically at Salim, at Salim Islam where, where I live, there's this closed restaurant and we passed by a few times prior to this latest lockdown and people, it was crowded inside. And I'm like, oh, geez, how can you sit inside? Aren't you scared? You know, I was thinking about the, uh, about the people eating or dining. I don't know. And, and it's a highway. I mean, it's easily yeah. identified by any, <laughs> you know, internal security forces of the past by they can sue them. It must, you know. I'll tell you, I, I arrived just before Christmas and mm. it was a year of relative isolation in New York a city that you can barely survive being, I mean, it's such a crowded city and you want that kind of space in New York. And I, I arrived here and it was so, it was psychologically, it was, it was tormenting that there was somebody right next to me, somebody right in front of me. And I, it had been one year, one year where I kind of had not, re, had not had a human experience, let alone the Lebanese experience where people are always close to each other. But it was, it was frightening. And I think it, it, I mean, unfortunately, that recklessness led to these crazy numbers that emerged in January and, and where we are now. So, but it, you know, what you're describing, I think is really people on the ground that know better. And I think this includes every aspect of society here. Anyone trying to implement reform or trying to deliver science, they have the know-how, they have the knowledge, and then you have the the reality, which is a dysfunctional state that can barely sort of function today, and then and sort of ad hoc procedure. The blame on, I'm sorry to interrupt you here. I just don't want to sound like I'm putting the blame on restaurants and restaurant owners themselves. But even on the streets, like it happens, like in small uh, uh, roads, like uh, quartier, whatever. So uh, underneath, like where you know, in the Sakani, I'm not finding the word for that. You see, uh, mostly men who sit in circles and they're not masked and they have their ergiri on the sidewalk. <laughs> Man, I, 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 I still see it every day. I'm like, <laughs> but hold on. You know? It wouldn't be much better if it was a circle of women smoking ergiri too without a mask. No. Right? That would be equally, it's <laughs> no, like, but wait. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, know. 
yeah. for the sake of equity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> but uh, no, not uh, seriously. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> uh, no, it's just, it's an avion hose. Well, what's happening with you guys? Aren't you afraid? And even, you know, men who are, uh, you know, above a certain age and it becomes even riskier for them. Exactly, I, yeah. It's, it's like nothing exists. Zaki, I want to wrap it up with one final question since you now took your first shot. And I think there's maybe not enough knowledge as to what you should do after you get vaccinated because it's still new. Uh, what are the precautions someone should take? So I'll give you an same, example. Same as before. Same as yeah. before. So, so really, it's just keep your mask on, whether without mm -hmm. the vaccine. Mm. Yes. Yes, because we still don't know. Again, I... I, I need to re-legitimize the, uh, uh, the fears that people are having, uh, that they're not, uh, they don't have enough faith in the uh, efficiency of uh, the vaccine, uh, nor are they uh, comfortable enough with taking something that hasn't been tested enough. Mm. But again, uh, we're in a pandemic. If people don't get vaccinated all over the globe altogether as, as soon as possible, we will not get out of the woods anytime soon. Uh, the virus is already uh, mutating. If yes. we don't put a halt to it by vaccination, we will not get there anytime soon. Um, so the, then again, still, because we're still uncertain about how, uh, how powerful and how uh, uh, long this immunity is going to survive, we still need to maintain the social distancing, the masking, and the hand hygiene up until everybody's vaccinated. We have more uh, more abundant numbers that are more reassuring, uh, then we can start to uh, go down on this, hopefully. So, so the, I mean, the, the concern is that even when you get your second shot, that you may be exposed to a, a, a variant that could get you sick as well? There, that possibility does exist, yes. How would you control that? If there's mutations after mutations, is there a way to sort of, yeah, I mean- of course, they, they modify hmm. the vaccine, just like happens with the influenza. So every year, uh, in September, uh, the CDC, uh, they do their statistics and they look at what variant of the influenza has been circulating in the previous year. And they modify the vaccine, the vaccine grip that we received, and they produce it again. Now, the beauty oh, of the mRNA see, now, hmm. it's easier to produce, it's faster. So, it I see. So, much time. so you may need to take another shot after the second shot that you, this Possibly, could be- we hmm. may we may end up with an influenza-like thing. So every year you take a shot for, uh, COVID-19. That, that's a possibility. Right. And then it's just really, you're taking a shot for COVID, COVID-20, 21, 22. It just becomes an annual occurrence. I see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so the vaccine is really just tackling the COVID-19. It's not, it's not a blanket sort of protection against these very, these variations. It's and not, it's too there soon. Are to, data. Mm. There are data, there are emerging data. There are still, again, and I don't like to share premature findings, but it's good to tell people that the Pfizer has been shown to confer some protection uh, against the, I think the UK variant. We're still, you know, there's still, oh, we need okay. more data for that. Yeah, mm. right. So it's still, it's just too soon. It's too soon to, to mm -hmm. It's yeah. too soon to say it out loud and be like super happy with it. I'll tell you what, it's the first positive conversation I've had in a long time. <laughs> yeah. And it's not over. This is not exactly like this is not a positive story. It's not like COVID has an I mean, it's just that there's something something hopeful on the horizon with the pandemic. Let alone, I mean, the situation is so bad anyway, but it's good to have at least one thing that has brought this country it has to its worked. knees. 
but yeah. it actually worked. Yeah. And I thank you for sharing these things online. You know what? I would never, I would not. Social media, we kind of talked about it having that negative impact. Mm. And then it, maybe it's easy to forget. And I should remind myself that there is a positive aspect to it. I could meet yeah. someone like you and have a discussion about this. I would not know about you had it not been for Twitter. And you can share these moments and win the, win the argument. Yeah, Whether absolutely. it's relatives or strangers, that the vaccine is not harmful and we should all be taking it. So I look forward to getting my vaccine. I look forward to speaking with you down the road. And thank you for spending Saturday night, Zakia. And I'll end it, I'll end it the proper way, Dr. Dimessi. So. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie. Thank, thank you, you, Ronnie. That was, uh, that was a really nice and a very seamless conversation. Um, and I hope I have contributed somehow to, uh, to alleviating some of the fears and the doubts. And uh, I, I will keep my, my, my efforts to educate people because one thing, and this has been drawn to my attention by a very dear friend and colleague, uh, uh, Dr. Dudi Mahmoud at the Faculty of Health Sciences at AUB, that in Lebanon people, it's not that they're not educated, but they're lacking health literacy. So what is health? How do I maintain it? Uh, mm. What does health mean to me living in the context that I am? Um, and what is health as a human right? And what is health as my responsibility towards not only myself, but to my, uh, to the citizens and you know, the, uh, my peers, my, uh, my uh, people I'm living with. So maybe, yeah, something that uh, we should uh, push for more. Uh, I don't know what would be the right platform, be it social media or, uh, you know, just the other uh, more classical outlets it depends, but I think we should work on that more. I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say I, I spoke to a uh, clinician, uh, actually he's a doc, Dr. Hanina Abinader. Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. He, was a, he became sort of a for 15 minute window, he was a celebrity for, for doing mm -hmm. the right thing. Yeah. He went on the news, didn't let the uh, anchor woman say anything that was misleading. He interrupted her, but in, in the right way. And sort of pushed that stuff away and said it's not worth my time. Don't bring mm -hmm. up these. I think there's some there's something positive there, and yeah. unfortunately, I think the battle is on social media because the information is available. Yet the narrative is not. It's not always sort of going the right way. So I think for better or worse, it, this this is how it's won. It's when doctors pediatrics or physicians when they're exposing themselves on on news and I don't think it's something you would want to do naturally I mean it's not your calling to be a celebrity and sort of the sort of voice of reason when you're when you're just doing your job and you're a scientist but I, th I think it has I think it has persuasion and in your own way you're contributing to that too so that's my roundabout way of saying thank you for for doing that uh, regularly thank you, <laughs> you Zakia. thank you Thanks for listening and watching, and a friendly reminder to support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan.